Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, June 20th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I'm in Baltimore, as you know, uh, and I, uh, I'm here because of, as I mentioned last week, there's a big conference going on this week for admissions professionals. So all the admissions officers, directors of admission come to this conference, which is put on by GMAC, the makers of the GMAT exam. And it's always a, it's the first time I've been in, in three years because of COVID. So it's, a, it's kind of weird to be back in person at an event like this, but it's been a lot of fun so far. So you, you've been around um, Fowles Point and the Inner Harbor, I take it? Yes. Yeah. So I know Baltimore gets a little bit of a bad rap, but I've been having a great, great time. The, you know, the area where the conference is taking place is gorgeous. The weather's been nice. And, you know, I've been running into admissions directors from, I mean, basically all the top schools. Everyone's here. I mean, there are admissions directors from all over the planet uh, here. And it's a little bit smaller than past years. But obviously, you know, this is people are still easing back into in-person events. But I've been, you know, bumping into people from Berkeley, Ross, Chicago, Yale, Tuck, Georgetown, MIT. I mean, it's just, yeah, the list goes on and on. So Stanford. Nice. Uh, so yeah, and seeing a lot of old friends and people people that you know and, and I know from even way back when we were working at Wharton. So yeah, yeah it's been fun. Very good, very good. Pass on my regards. Yeah, we'll do. Anyone you see. <laughs> so uh, what's going because on? Because we are recording this whilst you... <laughs> Well, she's still in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Just I still have to another clarify. Yeah, still have another day or so. Um, so let me know uh, what's going on right now with the kind of coming season. If I'm an applicant, any anything that's been happening that I need to be aware of? Yeah, the upcoming season. It's about deadlines getting released, um, essay topics starting to filter out, um, and so on and so forth. So um, yeah, on the ClearMit site, we tend to try to update those deadlines. And our essay topic analyses pieces, which I think are very good, actually get those updated um, as soon as the new essay topics, or even if it's the same essay topics, get um, um, re-released for the for the upcoming season. So there's a lot of that. I won't um, say there's no activity for the closing season. We're still seeing a, a little bit of waitlist activity mm-hmm. um, out there. Um, and obviously HBS hasn't yet released its um, 2 plus 2 um, program results. That's still a couple of weeks away. So um, we're, we're, we're certainly more focused on the upcoming season, but we can't lose sight completely yet of the prior season. Yeah, so still a little bit of movement happening. On the essay topic analyses, I did want to point out, because it's a question that we get all the time, that we, we don't share sample essays on our website you know, and what we do in the essay topic analyses that we post is really just break down the question, why we think the school's asking it, and how one might go about preparing a response. We think that's much better than giving kind of sample essays, which will ultimately, whether consciously or subconsciously, shape the way that you, the applicant, write your <laughs> your essay. So we don't want you to kind of read sample essays. We want it to come from from you, but we try to give you a lot of guidance. So you definitely read those uh, if if they uh, you know as as we publish them. So it's, it's a lot of fun every year. It's kind of a busy busy project for us, but we think it's worth it. it feels like candidates get a lot out of it. Yeah. So yeah, and even if you know if, if candidates are using other admissions consultants, you might as well also, um, you know, avail yourself to our free advice, as it were, in, in, in that case. And and our philosophy is, you know, we'll provide you a lot, a lot of resources and, and guidance through the process, including things like the essay topic analyses. Yeah. Um, but you still have to do the work. We, we firmly believe the candidate should be 
and doing all the work, but with, you know, all the resources that can be provided to, to, to help you really understand the process and therefore deliver your best um, candidacy. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's basically, I, w- I would say that's basically our philosophy, Graham. Yeah, and you know, you must know this, but I don't think I've met an admissions consultant out there who hasn't told me that they love our essay topic analyses and that they often read them. So, so I think, yeah, uh, definitely good, good, good thing to do. Uh, so I guess a couple other things before we get into the candidates. And so, so one of them is we continue to publish these real humans pieces on the website. We had uh, a couple of McKinsey uh, employees this, this week that we profiled. One is a Michigan Ross grad who just graduated in 21 and is an associate at McKinsey this guy's from India originally, went to one of the IITs, which are the most prestigious kind of engineering schools, was a, was an electrical engineer over there, then did, uh, well, that was the studying, sorry, that was an electrical engineer major, and then fi- financial services, consulting, data analytics was kind of this person's work experience before they went off to Ross. They gave, this guy gave some interesting advice and just basically said, I wish I had been told to spend time understanding myself and my goals clearly. Think about your personal stories, the what's and the why's. You need to know your North Star as there will be a plethora of things that you will keep experiencing during your MBA journey and time will be a very scarce resource, especially in the first few months. But at the end of the day, don't take things too seriously (laughs) and make sure you enjoy the journey as everything works out. But I think that's a good point, this idea of going into the program with a North Star, with a, with a mission, so that you can be selective about what you take part in, because you really do have so many opportunities once you arrive in business school. Yeah, I would say this this person, absolutely fantastic, had, had not been part of the Clear Admit community, because if there's nothing that we don't focus on more, it's really understanding your goals, why you're doing this, right. and why <laughs> that will really help you make the most of the MBA experience. Yeah. So it's not a, it, you know, the, the reason why schools really want to understand this is also to help candidates really make the best decisions. Um, so, so yeah, um, fair play to this candidate. And I do recognize that folks coming newly into the MBA admissions process, they don't, you know, you would think, your, 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 your chances are purely based on your track record, what you've done and, you know, your academic record and profile and so on and so forth. But goals do matter. Yeah, they do. Um, and, and, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and then the other uh, woman that we profiled, a woman named Simone Williams, who's a Cornell Johnson grad, back from uh, 19, so been in the workforce for a few years now and is actually an engagement manager at McKinsey. Originally hails from Boston. She went to Columbia for undergrad, did Teach for America, and then, you know, got got the MBA over at Johnson. And she had an interesting, it's funny, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say this, but her piece of advice for those tuning in who are going to be going off to business school someday was build relationships with MBAs across schools. Your class is not just limited to your respective school. When you start in your post-MBA job, you'll join another class of incoming MBAs. So get a head start, make relationships with MBAs from an array of schools. They'll be your post-business school classmates. So I thought that was just an interesting way to look at it. And I mean, she's absolutely right. When you go and take that first job out of business school, especially at a place like a McKinsey or an Amazon where they're hiring tons of MBAs, 
you're going to be thrown into the mix with people from all these different top schools. And so, yeah, thinking of them as your peers and as part of your kind of quote class is a smart bit of advice, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So Alex, the only other thing is, remember last week, I asked you some kind of fun questions, these kind of real humans questions that I usually ask the admissions directors. And then you said you wanted to <laughs> put me on the spot too and ask me some of them. So I don't know if you want to do that this week or you want to <laughs> wait wait for another time or... Let's do it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Uh, tea. Tea. Excellent choice. <laughs> Excellent Yeah. Choice. You know, it's funny. So... I wouldn't have said that in the past, but it's been a few years now that I tend to drink tea in the morning instead of coffee. Yeah. So there you have it. <laughs> nice. Very good. Do you still drink coffee? No, never. I mean, occasionally a decaf or something, but no. I, oh, I, so yeah. we're both, we're both coffee free. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Favorite adult beverage? I would have, I guess if I'm limited, I would say wine. I, I really like wine with food. Uh, if I'm just sitting around like having a drink and there's no food involved, well then beer does come into the picture definitely. But but what do you call, what is a beer in your vocabulary? What, what do you mean by beer? Like a, Are you talking lager? Well, I mean, preferably but, something on... Like that yellow sparkle, <laughs> yellow fizzy stuff no. or proper bitter? No, I would rather have proper beer, uh, like, you know, something on draft, uh, ideally on a hand pull, not, you know, yeah, not super carbonated. Yeah, I, I think you and okay. I are similar in our taste for beer like i just yeah um no course okay. light okay. or not you're like not <laughs> you're not saying cause or budweiser no. or, no, or, or or whatever <laughs> no no thanks uh, very good very good all right favorite comfort food uh yeah uh this is boy uh i would say like a chicken parm hoagie because uh, we just, maybe it's because I've been living in France too long and we just don't have like chicken Parmesan sandwiches <laughs> in France, but I miss that from the States. Wow. That, yeah, that's different. I mean, I'd say living in France, you've, you've got to be surrounded by beautiful cuisine. Yeah, no, there's a lot of good food. <laughs> yeah. Um, very good. Pet peeve, you, uh, a pet peeve you have, sorry. Uh, I would say people who don't ask questions or, or like who don't seek to learn from those that they meet. And maybe that's because I'm at a conference now. And, you know, you always kind of run into people and, and or meet people for the first time. And I'm always wary of someone who doesn't ask me anything, you know, just wants to sort of talk about what they're doing. So that that's a pet peeve of mine. Right. Right. No, I like that. Very good. Favorite quality in others? Uh, this is easy for me. A sense of humor. Nice. Like, I just, yeah, somebody who can make me laugh. Is, <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, so my stand-up comedy gig when I was at Wharton, that puts me in good stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go, yeah, I'd have to call up the memory <laughs> banks here. I, I, I don't know if I actually ever saw any. I know we were at the, was this happening at the pub sometimes, like where they would do it? No, it was just. No, no, downtown. Oh, downtown. I didn't go. We hired a whole, I didn't go yeah, to that. Proper stuff. Okay, yeah, no, I didn't go to that then. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah. I, you seem, yeah, I mean, you're generally a funny guy. Yeah, I would, yeah. The, the, <laughs> another quality I would say on this one is that I'm also a big fan of anybody that knows how to drive a manual transmission car. Uh, because, and again, maybe it's because I'm at the conference, but I, I overheard the, this guy downstairs talking about how he, the valet at the hotel was unable to park his car because it was a stick shift, which is just so odd to me. But I guess that's where we're at now, you know. <laughs> yeah, very odd. At least they're still t trying to drive the, these autonomous or self-whatever driving cars. I, I can't get my yeah, head no, around Yeah, no, I guarantee that. you, like, in, like, 20 go. years, the problem at the hotel will be, you know, that, yeah, there'll be the person who's like, oh, we don't know how to park a car that doesn't park itself, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, well, yeah, this is this is fun. And there are other questions that we can do over the course of the next handful of episodes if you want. Um, other than that, let's get into our candidates. I did want to mention people should sign up for our essay workshops in July. These are by far and away the most popular clear admit events. Again, we have like four or five schools at, a, at each essay workshop. And we just ask them questions about how they come up with their essay questions and and what they look for, how they read um, when they're reviewing a file, all that stuff. So and and the list is it's really an all star list of schools. Just go to bit.ly forward slash ca mba essays and you can sign up in advance. We've already got lots of people signing up, so I encourage people to head over and and register. And again, literally, I'll just mention the first one, which is July 13th, is going to have Berkeley, Chicago Booth, Dartmouth, and UVA Darden. And yeah, the list goes on from there. Each subsequent week, it's like a, a really amazing group. Uh, we've got you know Columbia, MIT, Stanford, Warden, all, all the big guns, and they're all going to join us to talk about their essays. I cannot think of a better way to prep for, for the admission season here. So join us for that. And then other than that, Alex, is just if people want to email us, they can send a message to info at clearadmit.com and use the subject line wiretaps. We love hearing from our listeners and we'll respond if you're right. So send us a note. <laughs> uh, anything else, Alex, from you before we dive in? Now let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an apply wire entry uh, that you've picked out, Alex, and this candidate has nine schools on their target list. They are looking to go in the fall of 23, so they're in the thick of you know, beginning that sort of process of applying. And they've got Columbia, Tuck, Georgetown, MIT, Kellogg, Chicago, Wharton, Darden, and Yale on the target list. This candidate is currently a congressional staffer for a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. They're thinking about maybe venture capital or private equity in a post-MBA career. And they listed Sequoia Capital, uh, Anderson Horowitz, and you know, it's kind of they're thinking about those types of firms for, for their target. They've got a GPA of 3.56 from a respected liberal arts college. That's how they described it. Well-respected small liberal arts college, sorry. Uh, and they have five years of work experience to date. They asked, and you, you kind of engaged with them on this, but they, they gave us a lot of information about their work experience, which sounds super impressive and, and unique to me. But their big question for you, and I know you engaged with them on it, so I want you to kind of tackle it, was whether or not they should do a kind of part-time MBA in DC, you know, and just keep working, or whether they should throw their hat in the ring on a kind of full-time MBA role. So. Uh, full-time MBA program, sorry. So, Alex, what, what do you make of this candidacy? You know, they haven't taken the test yet, but they're thinking they're going to land in the mid-three, sort of 320s with their GRE score. But, yeah, what do you make of this candidacy? Because we don't see congressional staffers every day here. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I think the from a, an experience standpoint, this candidate could really stand out. It's super interesting experience, um, seemingly at getting exposure at quite a high level, um, and so on and so forth. Um, so I think they really checked the box in that regard um, for, for, for the top tier full-time MBA um, programs. Um, so, I mean, it's quite interesting. This candidate has basically identified two paths that they are, are looking to try to figure out which to pursue. As you said, one is get a part-time MBA, um, presumably in the DC area, um, and continue on with what they're doing, and there's a natural pathway going forward, and it's a good pathway. 
um, and and you know everything's set in place, and they even justify the MBA versus public policy degrees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Or pivot and do something um, quite different using the full-time MBA to make that pivot. Um, and my sort of overarching advice is they don't necessarily need to make that decision yet until they have all their options on the table. So I think what they need to do is do the part-time application, you know, with the, with the, you know, the goals related to that, um, and do the full-time applications at top-tier programs with a different set of goals, because that's why they're, they're looking at the top tier, and see what options that ultimately provides them, and then make the decision mm-hmm. of whether it's best to remain in D.C., go part-time, and continue on that path, or if they had an option at one of the M7 or something like that, is it going to be more attractive than for them at, at that point to make that pivot? And I think one of the issues in terms of what would make them really stand out um, so that they, they could be a top candidate at the top full-time programs would be really showing the quant aspect of their candidacy. So whether that's uh, you know, taking the test score and, and doing very well on the test score to complement their strong GPA um, and certainly the quant aspect of the test score and or adding MBA math or HBS core to sort of really show that their readiness um, for the full-time experience. Um, I guess, uh, you know, to cut it short, Graham, I don't think they need to absolutely make the decision now which pathway to pursue they can keep their options open by targeting both the part-time and the full-time options yeah no i agree with you like this isn't an either or it's probably just they can explore both i I did want to mention i mean one of the things that jumped out at me i mean you might say oh staffer for a you know house of representatives like what how is that you know going to be great sort of pre-mba experience but I, i wanted to underline the fact that they're, the person that they are a staffer for is on the House Financial Services Committee. And so they mentioned that, you know, they've, they've written bills, they routinely work with stakeholders in banking, capital markets, housing, and crypto industries. And, and you know, they work with federal regulators like the SEC, FDIC, et cetera. So I, I think this is, it's unique kind of staffer experience in that it's very finance oriented. And so I just wanted to put that in because I, I recognize someone listening might be saying, well, how, you know, how does they, how do they get from <laughs> staffer on Capitol Hill to, you know, maybe banking or, or private equity or VC or something. Right. So I think there are some dots that can easily be connected. I wanted to ask you a question. Does it matter who this person is that they're a staffer for like do you know because <laughs> some of the there are members of the house of representatives who are kind of lightning rods for <laughs> you know uh, media coverage and so on but do you have i mean what what would you say like they're going to probably have to say who they represent do you think it matters if this is a democrat or a republican or an independent i mean do, does that stuff matter I, I don't think it should matter. Yeah. Um, especially when they focus on themselves, their work, their work product, their impact, and what they've done. Yeah. Rather than the philosophy of the the staff member themselves. Agreed. Um, yeah. That you, you don't want to, you know. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that's quite an obvious distinction, and we talk about that in in terms of when you, you know, when you talk about religion, politics, and and money, 
you you've got to approach those those three broad topics with some degree of sensitivity. Right. Um, but it certainly doesn't preclude um, those that that have worked in uh, for polit- you know and political candidates and and those in office um, from the process. But yeah, we're we're interested in what they've done rather than um, which, which side of the fence they're on. Yeah, fair fair statement. So I, I, I like this candidate's odds. When I first read the storyline and looked at it all, my feeling was, well, if they can get the GRE score they are, you know, aiming for, that this is, you know, sort of a top full you know, top full time type uh, MBA yeah. person for me. I, I just feel What's you know. what's the weakest what's the weakest part of their candidacy, Graham? Well, right now, I would say it's that they just don't have a test score in hand, and I'm yeah. wondering where that's going to land them. Because they mentioned that they go, they went to a well-respected small liberal arts school, and that that's kind of fuzzy, right? I don't know what that means. Does that mean, yeah. you know, is it re- like a top ten, or, or is it more like a top fifty that's just well known or something, you know? So, um, so that that could come into play because their GPA three point five six is solid but not off the charts or anything. And so I, I think the GRE's got to line up and that'll help set the, the sort of bar for them. So I would encourage them to take that test seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good, very good. Um, anything else on this one? I did want to mention they have some great outside activities as well. You know, they talk about how they're, uh, they're in like a softball league and they're a big time runner, belong to a running club. So I feel like everything does line up otherwise. Great work experience, decent activities, solid undergrad, you know, career path that is impressive and lines up with their future goals. I don't know if they'll be able to jump right into VC, but, you know, they could certainly go to banking or something and then make their way. So yeah. I, I like this candidacy. I think, yeah, do well on the GRE and they probably land at a top, you know, sort of full-time program, but keep the door open. They can look at part-time. That application process is often much later anyway. So they, they have a lot of flexibility. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. The part-time, generally, the application process is going to be a little bit later. It's going to be a little bit less rigorous, nothing against part-time programs, but but yeah. So focus on these full-time programs for now, but don't, you know, make sure that there is a, a, an application into the, the, the you know, the, the top part-time program within their sort of um, commuter commuter area, which yeah. I, I assume is Georgetown, but I mean, yeah. I'm not as familiar with, with, with those programs. Yeah, in the DC area, you've got Georgetown, U Maryland, uh, Hopkins has yeah. one, but yeah, it's, Georgetown's sort of the leader, I would argue. Um, yeah. There's a few other schools right in DC too, you know, George Washington and stuff. But in any event, uh, probably enough said on that one. Should we move on and let's get into wiretaps candidate number two. So this is another uh, ApplyWire entry that we received, and this candidate is going to apply, I believe, this summer and wants to start in the fall of 23. They listed 24, but reading what they wrote, I'm pretty sure they want 23. They've got Harvard, Michigan, Kellogg, and Booth on the target list. They've been working as a doctor, so as a physician, uh, so they're in the healthcare space, and they would like to pivot and use the MBA to get into pharma and they mention Merck, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson as target companies post-MBA. Their GPA from undergraduate was a 3.3. They have six years of work experience, and this person's located in Germany and would like, they claim, to land either Chicago or the East Coast or maybe go back to, to Europe after business school. The one big wrinkle is that they're 35 years old, uh, and I believe that's probably because of all the schooling that they've done, because they not only have an undergraduate degree and an MD, but they also have a PhD, 
uh, and I, somewhere in there, they did like a master's degree in like English or something. I can't remember where that one was, but in any event, they've got, they've got, yeah, master's degree in literature with a 4.0 uh, GPA. So, so they're kind of, we'll get into this, but they on paper look like a, what I would call degree collector because, you know, <laughs> undergrad, master's, PhD, MD, right? So now they want an MBA, but in any event, they really want the MBA to make this transition. So Alex, I'll kind of turn it over to you because there's there's a lot of impressive kind of work experience and stuff. And I did want to mention they don't have a test either at this point, so far as I know. So I think that's another piece that's got to come into play. And the last bit before I ask you is they just left us a note that said that they love the podcast and that they said big shout out to Alex and Graham for helping me navigate the wide unknown field of MBA admissions. So always appreciate hearing stuff like that and are you know thrilled that they're hopefully tuning in to get some kind of live advice here uh, or at least you know audio advice. So Alex, what do you make of this though? Because this is a very unusual case in terms of the age of the candidate and all that. Yeah, I hate to break it to you, Graham, but they're waiting another year. Oh, they are? Okay. Okay. I must have missed that part. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so they're planning ahead. The 224 is... Okay. And um, 2024 is, is in line with what, what they stated. Okay. And I know there's there's a wrinkle here in terms of... They, they appear not to like Philadelphia, Graham, and I know that that sort of... Is, it gives you a bit of a visceral reaction, right? Um, because they <laughs> yeah. deliberately didn't include Wharton in their um, in in their selection. I saw that. Um, yeah. Because they prefer Chicago over Philadelphia, which I'm not sure why. But, yeah. Well. Um, there we go. Um, anyway, the person also speaks eight languages, um, and you know is clearly super super smart, accomplished, um, done, done some you know. Yeah, they, they basically they have, what, six years of experience. You said they've done very well in that six years, but they have about 25 years of academic experience, um, all told or whatever. So, so they're obviously clearly smart. They've done a lot of things. But as you say, they do run the risk a little bit of appearing a degree collector. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we mean by that is um, MBA admissions folks, they want folks that, that are doing the MBA to go on and do really meaningful professional things um, in the long run that have impact on society and so on and so forth. We've talked about that on, on several occasions. What they don't want is just people going from one degree to the next. Oh, now I think I'll just go get this degree or whatever. I absolutely don't think that is the case for this candidate. They have family. They're going to re- up root and relocate their family for this. Um, So they're going all in on pursuing the MBA. So there's real genuine sentiment and a great rational reason for getting the MBA in terms of their transition to pharma and, 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 you know, doing, uh, you know, leadership in in the pharma industry makes perfect sense for a candidate like this. But this notion of being a degree collector, they've definitely got to just, uh, you know, make sure that that's not something that the adcom is going to be um, a little bit concerned about. I mean, I mean, frankly, Graham, we I laughed about this a little bit before, but I, I just didn't understand the masses of, in literature. Um, it just didn't seem to sync with a lot of the other stuff that that they've been doing, and the eight languages. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, are, is there any other degree for them to collect after the MBA? So maybe that's working in their favor. Yeah. Like, what <laughs> what other degree could they go and get? They've got them all, right? So yeah. no. But in all seriousness, I, I I totally agree with you on this front. That you know, it, I think another thing we used to call it in the admissions office on this point is 
in addition to kind of a degree collector, we might call it a, a kind of lifetime student, right? Yeah. Someone who just wants to be a student all the time. Yeah. So, but I agree. I don't think that's the, the I think they're going to be okay in yeah. this domain. They seem like they have a plan. Yeah, this is not going to be the case for this candidate. As, as I said, they've got family. They're looking to re relocate their family. So they're, they're clearly all in on this. Yeah. Um, and, and they've done very well. Their goals make perfect sense. So the real outlier here is when they apply, they're going to be 36. Yeah. So that does put them on the outer end of the range for full-time programs. Full-time program makes perfect sense for this candidate because they're doing a career switch mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so forth. So, so, you know, they need that immersive program to enable the transition and so on and so forth. Um, but they're going to have to show fit. And in the case of this candidate, being an older candidate, one of the stereotypes regarding older candidates is that they're going to go to the classes, they'll do well in the classes, but they won't get fully involved in the extracurriculars and other um, aspects of the MBA experience. So they want to dispel that myth again in the, in the applications and yeah. really show that they're going to f um, fully engage and so forth. And, you know, again, they're relocating their family, so they're going to have to explore the options for their family whilst they're in, you know, Chicago or Philadelphia or wherever they end up going for their, for their business school. Um, so, so they need to recognize that piece. They need to do really well on the GMAT or the GRE. I'm convinced they will because <laughs> they are super smart. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got five degrees. They've got eight languages that they know. I mean, yeah, um, brilliant. The fact that they're German really plays well because European candidates are underrepresented in top U.S. business schools. Um, so there's some advantage there. Um, so I would say quite an unorthodox candidate, Graham, but if they really nail the GMAT, overcome some of these potential um, potential sort of um, areas of that could trip them up. I think they, they could, um, you know, be, be a very viable candidate, even for the very best programs that focus on healthcare management. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, I, the only thing I'm going to add here is when I look at the school selection and, you know, they mentioned they're going to be relocating with their family and everything. But when I look at the school selection, I would encourage them to look at Duke... I would encourage them to look at Wharton, and I would encourage them to look at MIT Sloan. And there are two reasons for that. Uh, one of them is all three of those programs are great for healthcare. And I think the schools on their list, the Kellogg's, Michigan's, Harvard's, Chicago Booth, they're all excellent schools too. I'm just saying if I were them, they're still a year out from applying. I would add these three and carefully investigate the whole group to kind of come up with a list of you know the five or six they're going to ultimately target. I just think all three are perfect. The other, the other thing, the reason I bring them up is because this candidate is going to be pretty old by the time they start business school, uh, for, for you know, as far as their classmates are concerned. And so I was thinking of some of the programs that seem to historically be a bit more open-minded about older candidates. And so MIT comes to mind, Wharton comes to mind. These are schools that they put such a high value on work experience and that sort of seasoning that they don't, you know, that, that every year they're admitting a handful of people who are kind of off, you know, on the older end of the spectrum. So I would encourage them to, yeah, cast that wide net, look at all these programs. 
I could not agree more, though, that most schools, when you see a candidate from Germany, they're, they're so few and far between that if this candidate has good numbers, you know, does well on the test and ha can explain a very coherent career path and a desire to get involved in the program, they should end up with some options. So it's, it's going to be, I would not encourage them to apply to just four schools. Like, I think they're going to need to cast a little bit of a wider net to ensure that they <laughs> land somewhere. But I, I like the candidacy, and I think they did a good job of explaining everything. So that tells me that when it comes to time to write those essays, that they'll probably be articulate and able to convey, you know, their plan. So yeah, again, very interesting candidacy. I'm glad you picked this one out. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the other thing I forgot to mention: they're first generation going to college. So um, not only they, you know, n none of their family had done that before, but they mm -hmm. went to about six of them. So that's fantastic. Yeah, they're making up for lost time in the family tree, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, all right, well, I want to thank that candidate for sharing. I also hope that they're recovering. So that not only are they a physician, but they've done a ton of work on COVID. And yeah. so I, I wrote them a response kind of saying, hey, here's my advice. And I didn't hear back. And I was like, oh, you know, because normally you write when you write a comment to someone, you hope that they're going <laughs> to acknowledge it. And there was like no, no word for a few days. And then they did write more recently and said that they'd been laid up ironically with COVID. <laughs> so, um, so hopefully they're feeling better. And uh, yeah, anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, let's move on, though, and talk about our third candidate. So this is Wiretap's candidate number three. Another apply wire entry, Alex, because we're definitely in that mode where everyone's wondering what their chances are and, and putting together their strategy. So this is a candidate that has 11 schools on the target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Duke, Georgetown, Harvard, LBS, Michigan, MIT, Stanford, Wharton, Darden, and Yale. This person's hoping to start school in the fall of 23. They've been working as an educator and a founder of a company uh, prior to business school, and they're thinking about consulting after business school or possibly entrepreneurship, and their GMAT score was a 730. GPA is a 3.78. This person has eight years of work experience, so another slightly older candidate, although I think they're probably around age 30, if I'd guess. They are a first-generation uh, white British male with and I guess that means first-gen to college, so they're white British male with an undergrad in chemistry from a Russell Group University. And for those of you not from the UK, the Russell Group is, you know, kind of like the Ivy League in America, so good schools. They uh, have, are, they're currently located in Taiwan. That's a key piece of information that I neglected to mention. They have been working there doing, they basically started as a teacher, worked their way up to lead a, an academic department, and then set up a business to help private schools uh, add kind of international um, and, and kind of languages, I believe, to their curriculum. So in any event, this candidate wants to land on the East Coast or in the Bay Area after business school. So Alex, I'll, you, you went back and forth with this candidate and had some pretty deep conversation. I mean, they really um, were kind of sort of thinking through their whole plan and strategy on our site, which was very cool to see. But what do you make of this candidacy? Um, yeah, I mean, an interesting candidate for sure. Their number's very solid, like you say, 738, first generation um, British um, candidate. So, you know, again, much like the last candidate, um, the, the top US programs aren't overwhelmed with British candidates um, or, or European candidates generally. I, I, actually, I still think we're in Europe, so I should say non-EU right. <laughs> um, candidates. So. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so there's a lot to like there. Um, they, they, um, they're, they're 
uh, career progression is unorthodox. Um, you know, they, they've ultimately ended up in, in Taiwan um, and um, done some interesting things in Taiwan, actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of, you know, in the education sector. Looks like they started off as a teacher and then sort of evolved in, in, in and so on and so forth. And then they ultimately set up their own startup, um, et cetera. So I'm sure they can show lots of good growth and evolution and impact and sort of the, you know, the things that um, Adcom are looking for. They seem to have a pretty decent plan for getting the MBA in terms of um, focusing on ed tech, um, um, the ed tech, so getting some consulting experience and then focusing on ed tech, which is something obviously related to, 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 to what they're doing. Um, so, quite honestly, Graham, I think there is a lot to like um, about this um, candidate. Their, their school list is, is quite broad at the moment, which I think is perfectly um, perfectly fine. They'll, they'll end up narrowing um, that list as, you know, they basically want consulting then entrepreneurship. So they've really got to target the best schools um, that they can get into. Um, but overall... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, with what this person's done. It's kind of interesting, um, you know, they got a chemistry, uh, was it a chemistry degree? I think yeah, that's chemistry. what it was, yeah. like a chemistry degree. They ended up in Australia doing some sales and then to Taiwan. But then they stayed in Taiwan. So I don't know, you know, other than, um, you know, the, their networks and their professional um, um, sort of experiences, whether there's also some... Um, other connections in Taiwan that's potentially going to keep them there in the longer run when when they've completed business school. Um, but but yeah, I think an interesting candidate, Graham. Yeah, and I I will say, just so everyone understands, I mean, literally this person. Yeah, I don't know what the you know why they studied chemistry or how that fit into their kind of career narrative after you know university. But you know they they basically ended up being department chair of a multinational uh, science department uh, in Taiwan. And managing, you know, more than ten people or something in that, it was like a, a local, you know, kind of private school, I guess. But then they left that and started their own consultancy, as I mentioned earlier, where they're working with schools to help them transition to a bilingual or international curriculum. So, very interesting stuff. I feel like, yeah, they have these nice kind of ed tech uh, potential goals and things. So, I, I want to also you mentioned the, the, in terms of their outside activities. They do stand up, which you know I'm sure appeals to you, and and storytelling, and they also are a lead singer and guitarist in a band. So they have a lot going on outside of work too. So yeah, it seems like a well-rounded candidate, and as long as they can kind of explain their path and have a clear, feasible set of goals, like I I think there's a lot to like here. Uh, you do raise a good question as to whether they're going to head back to Asia. I mean, on their post here on Applywire, they just mentioned wanting to go to the Bay Area or maybe East Coast of the U.S. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure um, where they would land in the longer term, yeah, but yeah. it is something to consider. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like this person, you know, just has a real wealth of experiences, and so yeah, yeah, it seems pretty interesting to me. I think it, it, in all, well, certainly the first candidate and this candidate, they have. Um, you know, unorthodox career paths. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, a a majority of candidates applying to these top-tier business schools are going to come from um, a a, a number of well-understood sort of industries and career paths. And candidate one and candidate three, and you could argue candidate two too, um, but they're all unorthodox. So so the, the key... Um, for, for each of these candidates is twofold. One is to be able to clearly articulate to the ADCOM 
their career, their progression, and the whys behind the decisions they made, that's going to be really important. And, that, and then why the MBA? Because again, they're unorthodox. So, um, you know, the MBA admissions readers haven't seen a lot of candidates that have made a similar sort of set of decisions. So they want to really learn about why it makes sense for these types of candidates. So on the one hand, they've really all got to do a very good job of um, articulating um, their career traje- uh, trajectory, as, as well as being able to sort of show um, it, how comparable it is to the more traditional career paths in terms of their impact and their growth and so forth. And then the second piece of the, the, the pie um, is, you know, they've got to really sort of establish that fit and, and show that they're going to be able to make the most of the experience and so on and so forth. Because again, they're, they're, they just have a little, they're, they're a little bit different. So they, they've got to articulate the fit. So yeah. I think if all three of these candidates can nail both of those I- ideas or, or whatever you want to call it, it's going to be really helpful to them. Yeah. And I want to say, I, maybe I thought it was intentional, but the, you know, these are, I agree. It's like three unorthodox candidates in terms of their you know, experience. And, and in case of this, you know, second two candidates we've pre- you know, reviewed this week, both of them are a bit older. So there's, there's a lot going on and I could not agree more. They just need to show that they're going to fit in, that they have a set of reasonable goals and so on. I think, yeah, very interesting though. And I, I feel like all three of these candidates would add a lot mm. to the classroom environment. So I think they all could be very appealing to business schools. They just need to make sure that they come off right. Yeah. I mean, that's the other side of the coin, right? Yeah. Yeah. An unorthodox candidate can add actually more value than an orthodox candidate that looks like several others in the same classroom, right? Yeah, so, agreed. So they, they definitely come in with the opportunity to really stand out. But to stand out, ironically, they got to show how they really do fit in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, well, we'll leave it there. I appreciate you picking these out. Again, I thought it was on purpose, so it's really serendipitous that you know we had this nice theme this week, but really appreciate you picking these out. I want to encourage everyone that's tuned in to please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Uh, shout it from the rooftops. Tell anybody. The more folks that tune in, the better off for, uh, we are. Uh, and Alex, I guess I'll see you in one week's time, and we'll do it all again. <laughs> Brilliant. Take care, everyone. Good luck.